Good morning. Welcome to Breakfast with Kent for Thursday, October 15th, 2020. Brought to you by the great people of today's dentistry. Call 317-849-2933. Make an appointment to see Dr. Mike O'Neill, the best dentist I've ever seen, the only dentist I've seen in the last 27 years. 317-849-2933 is the number. The Indianapolis Colts need to get Philip Rivers right. This guy has got to start playing good football or it's going to be curtains for the 2020 Indianapolis Colts. Rivers talked to the media yesterday as he does every Wednesday. He was our guest on Inside Indiana Sports Now. He talked about how he processes defeat a little bit different in his old age. He's 38, about to be 39. Said that he doesn't take it home with him anymore. He doesn't walk around the halls of the team complex kind of grumpy, showing everybody how disappointing it is to him that he played poorly. Now what he does is he moves on, and he tries to be a leader who shows it's time to move on and play worth a damn this coming Sunday, not worry about what happened the previous Sunday. All right, better get it done against the Broncos, or against the Bengals, and then he got a game against the Lions after the bye week. So win this game, and you're 4-2. Win against the Lions, you're 5-2. And, and this is really, really important because the games coming up, some of the games coming up include games against the Packers, two against the Titans, one against uh, the Ravens, one against the Steelers. You've got a game against the Raiders. Those teams, those six games represented by those five opponents, they are 23-3 and so far this season. So if you don't beat the Bengals and you don't beat the Lions, you are looking at the uh, shank of the season remaining, those remaining nine games where you're going to play six against teams that are really, really good. If you're not five and two, you are going to have a tough time putting together 10 and six. Going to be really, really difficult to get that done. Phillip Rivers has got to play better football. I saw it at IndyStar.com. They've got a headline that says they're, you know, they're back into this search for the next uh, the next quarterback. They're back into this purgatory, quarterback purgatory. They never got out of it. We knew this was going to be the case. We knew this was who Phillip Rivers is. He's ranked 24th in pro football focus. Of course he is. He's ranked in the upper half in a while. He's 38 years old. He ain't going to get better. I like Phillip Rivers. I think he's a hell of a nice guy and a terrific human being and was a good quarterback 12 years ago. Now, not so much. He is who he is. He gets flustered in the pocket, and he makes crazy throws, and he doesn't have the arm strength to get it outside the numbers with his feet not planted. That's a bad place to be for a quarterback, and because of that, he throws it to the other guys. What are you going to do? Let's talk, uh, Colt, somehow or another, seven and a half point favorites, and I'm not getting near seven and a half points for the Colts. I'm just not. Maybe they take care of business at Lucas Oil this Sunday. I hope that they do. But investing in that as an outcome, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Let's talk about the NCAA. The NCAA uh, Council of Elders, or whatever the hell they call it, headed by Grace Calhoun, they decided to do two things, and they got one of them right. One is to open up bowl eligibility to any team, not just teams that finish over 500. And this is a good thing because a team like Indiana, who could expect to go 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five if they were playing three patsies in the non-conference portion of the schedule, 
they don't have the three patsies anymore. They just got the conference games. And those in those conference games, Indiana's going to find it difficult to go 500. So are a bunch of other teams playing in the big conferences because they don't have those non-conference opponents that they use to buff it, that, that record, and get to 500. So that's a good thing. What they did that was not good is that they are granting an extra year of eligibility for all participants in winter sports. That doesn't make any sense. That's a bad idea. Really bad idea, and it's kind of like they didn't say, nobody at the meeting said, look, all right, what are the unintended consequences of doing this? And I'll tell you what they are. You've got 13 scholarships to give. So if you've got, as a college basketball coach, if you've got four seniors that you're expecting to graduate out of your program, and they say, we ain't going. We're coming back next year. Then you've got freshmen-to-be recruits who are stacked up behind these guys, and they got nowhere to go. What do you do about that? This has consequences. You've got to sit in a room and discover and, and kind of plot your way through unintended consequences of do-gooder type adjustments to the rules. And that's what this is, is a do-gooder type adjustment to the rules. This isn't fair. It's not fair to these guys. We've got to do something to save their college experience. And in doing that, you're going to penalize incoming freshmen because the number of scholarships that they need to go to school, they're not going to be available. And the guys who stay as seniors are going to eat up all the minutes for the guys who are going to become seniors. You only got 200 minutes in a college basketball game. And if you've got four or five-year seniors, you got guys who are going to eat up a significant number of those minutes. You have got to move people through. Is it unfortunate that COVID exists and that senior season for a lot of these kids is not going to be what it might have been otherwise? Yes, it is. That's sad. But you don't, you don't create another bevy of problems by allowing these seniors another year of eligibility. It's preposterous. You're going to wind up having college basketball coaches saying adios to seniors, saying, look, you got to go. I know you got another year of eligibility. I hope you use it well, but you can't use it here. That is a, that's a crappy thing to do to these coaches and leave it to Grace Calhoun to run an operation, a, uh, uh, a committee who does exactly that. Tony LaRussa might be the next manager for the Chicago White Sox. Tony LaRussa is an old guy. I don't use that term lightly. He is 76 years old. He retired after winning a World Series with the St. Louis Cardinals in 2011, retired as a manager. Not from life and not from baseball, but retired as a manager. He got into Major League Baseball as a manager in 1979, when Bill Veck and Roland Heeman hired him as a manager. Bill Veck, that's how old Tony LaRusse is. Bill Veck hired this guy to replace Don Kessinger as the manager for the Chicago White Sox. And so LaRusse may come back to manage. He is, you know, he's in kind of an interesting position. He's only 35 wins behind uh, John McGraw as the second all-time winningest manager in the history of Major League Baseball. He's never going to catch Connie Mack. He's 1,003 wins behind Connie Mack. He'd have to manage until he was about 90. Even Connie Mack didn't manage until he was 90. Connie Mack managed until he was 87. 
it will if Tony LaRusso comes back and manages for the owner who fired him, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, is he going to bring Dave Duncan back? I can't imagine that Tony LaRusso is going to come back without Dave Duncan by his side as his pitching coach. Dave Duncan deserves a lot of the credit for Tony LaRusso's success, and Tony LaRusso would be the first guy to tell you that. Interesting days on the south side of Chicago. If Tony LaRusso can come back with Dave Duncan, I think all of a sudden the White Sox go from being kind of a, hey, they were a feel-good story, bunch of young kids uh, who kind of overcame the COVID adversity and and wound up winning 35 games and go to the playoffs before they were swept out of it by the Oakland Athletics, being that feel-good story to being a legitimate contender for uh, the American League crown. Uh, I think that the White Sox are good enough with Tony La Russa and Dave Duncan coming up to the south side of Chicago to be in maybe a co-favorite in the American League in the 2021 season. Indiana enjoyed its first day of practice yesterday. I thought about this yesterday, speaking of Indiana football, that Indiana football isn't going to have even a moment in the spotlight this year. Usually, like they get going with practice around August 1st, and everybody's talking about IU football because IU basketball hadn't started practice yet. Well, now with IU practice, IU basketball practice starting before the first game for IU football, that campus is going to be thinking about basketball the entire time and, and not about football at all. And that's kind of unfortunate for Tom Allen and his guys as, as they go out and try to you know, put together whatever kind of a season they can. They got about 10 days, 12 days, whatever number of days before college football starts and, and Indiana gets going. It's still Indiana, man. Indiana cares a whole lot more about football than it used to. But it's still not basketball. Yeah, I, I care much more about Archie Miller's uh, preseason media availability than I do uh, Tom Allen's, you know, post-game press conference, no matter what Indiana football does. Indiana football's for the party. Indiana basketball's for the game. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy, how about this? Jeff Van Gundy's talking to the Houston Rockets. Stan Van Gundy's talking to the Pelicans. Ty Lu is talking to the Houston Rockets. Sam Cassell's talking to the Clippers, uh, and the Pacers still talking to everybody. Dan Craig, Darvin Ham, Chauncey Billups, Dan Yeager, Chris Finch, Chris Quinn. Who knows who's going to wind up being the coach of the Indiana Pacers? This search that has gone on now for seven weeks, I hope it comes to a conclusion soon, and that Kevin Pritchard figures out who he wants as the next head coach of the Pacers, because... Well, we're a long way from the first game, and I guess there's no real urgency, but it seems like we've been talking about who's going to be the coach of the Pacers for a long, long, long time. Uh, let's celebrate some birthdays, shall we? On this kind of warm Thursday, I wanted to do breakfast outside, but hell, it's dark still. Might do the uh, Periscope version of breakfast outside. That'll be coming up immediately upon the conclusion of this one. However... Um, I don't like standing in the dark because it's hard to see in the dark. And if you can't see me, what the hell's the point of this? As obsequious as that is. Um, Matt Behan celebrating a birthday. One of the finest soccer players ever to matriculate at Cathedral High School. Happy birthday. Uh, Chris Corley, happy birthday. Melissa Rising, happy birthday. Sam Turpin, the great Shea Boyle, who brought my son to Loyola of Chicago because he was here in town at Warren Central and saw a lot... 
Ryan Shute lights out against the Illinois Wolves. Kipper McGee, happy birthday. Julie Yunker, happy birthday. William Wick, Perry Parsons, the great Jeff Kegg, the uh, of course, the football SID down at Indiana University, and the great Ron Sexton celebrating a birthday. If today's your birthday, you celebrate like hell. If it's not your birthday, you celebrate somebody else that's best done with an honest and specific compliment. Today, Inside Indiana Sports Now, posting usually right around 3 o'clock. What are we talking about? We're going to talk about, number one, the NCAA, number two, the Indianapolis Colts, and we'll see who from the Indianapolis Colts we'll be talking to on Inside Indiana Sports Now. There is no better place to find out what the hell's going on in sports in central Indiana than inside Indiana Sports Now. And I say that with all due modesty. 